Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Senior Pastor Ken Jensen. Well, here we are. May 22nd. And we're here. For just a brief moment, I thought about not even preparing anything for today, you know. But I thought, well, just in case Harold got it wrong, I should probably have something prepared. Now, please, don't get me wrong. I very much believe in the return of our Lord. And I am looking forward to that day when everything is made right again. The way that it was meant to be, the way it was created to be. But Scripture is very, very clear. And Jesus was absolutely clear on this whole thing. It is not for us to pick times and dates and charts and maps. He said, you live this life in light of eternity, knowing this is not your home. But eternal life does not start sometime in the future. Eternal life starts here and now. The kingdom of God has come in the hearts and the lives of those who will follow him. And so our life on this earth is to be lived in light of eternity, but realizing that eternal life is not about length of time. It's about quality of life and character. And I think it is just somehow, and I didn't plan it this way, but it's just somehow appropriate that we finish this series on losing my religion today, talking about what happens when men get in the way and mess up a really, really good thing. So that's what we're going to do this morning. We're wrapping up this series. It's called Losing My Religion. And it's just getting away all that stuff that gets added on to a very, very clear, clear and vital life-giving message. And we've been going through the book of Galatians because Paul dealt with this kind of stuff. Not this particular incident, by the way. But just he dealt with this stuff. When men add to what only God can do, We just get ourselves messed up. And so this whole letter that he wrote to these people in Galatia was all about getting past the religion and getting to what really, really matters, which is life. And so we're going to finish this morning. If you want to follow along, we're last chapter, Galatians chapter 6. And and we're just going to take a small section this morning because we've got a lot to cover, even in this little bit of of, of passage. But in Galatians 6, verse 7, he writes these words. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. People reap what they sow. Those who sow to please their sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. Those who sow to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. So let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people especially those who belong to the family of believers. He's saying there is this law called the law of the harvest. And this is not karma, okay? This is not some vague what goes around comes around. What he is simply saying is the seeds that you plant in this life bear a harvest. They bear a produce. Something grows out of what you plant in your life. And every thought is a seed. Every Attitude is a seed. Every choice, every decision that you make is a seed. Every prayer that you pray. It's all 
seeds. And, and the things that you plant are the things that come to fruition in your life. And so when he talks about living this life, this life of freedom, this life of love, he says there is a way that you go about this life. How do you do that? How do you plant the right seed? How do you cultivate that kind of life? That's what he's been talking about through this whole letter. And it's not on on religious practices, and, and it's not on rituals and traditions. He says it's on one thing. It's the grace of God. And so he says, so now you live this life planting the right kind of seed. And what you do is you sow to the Spirit. Now, what is that? That's that's living life in the Spirit. What does that look like? Well, in chapter 5, he gave us some clues by by the different verbs that he uses. And so we're going to go back to what we read a little bit last week and kind of walk through this. What does it look like to cultivate that kind of life? What does life in the Spirit really look like? Well, one of the things we find out is that life in the Spirit is about, it's about settled intent. Settled intent. What I mean by that is you make a decision. You set an intent for your life. He says we live by the Spirit. We live a life. We live a life that is directed. We, love, we live a life that is, that is intent in a certain direction. It has purpose. It has meaning to it. Eugene Peterson writes, he says, so many people approach their spiritual life as if they are actors who have tried out for a role in a play. And they memorize the lines and and they follow the script and they recite, recite the lines as they are needed in the script. But that is not the life of the Spirit. Life of the Spirit is life. It is it is directed, but but it is not memorizing lines. It's not following certain rituals. See, that's the trouble with religion. Religion compartmentalizes this part of my life and separates it from everything else. That that religion takes, takes my spirituality and it relegates it to a few select activities or a certain day of the week. And so when we do, and it, kind of, it just kind of subtly sinks into us. We talk about going to church. Church is not a destination. Church is who we are. And we are the church. Here when we gather on Sunday mornings, but out in the world, we are still the church. We don't go to church. We talk about having our devotions. You don't have devotions. You are devoted <laughs> to a life. And that's the trouble when you get into religion. It just compartmentalizes things and puts them in fit. He says, this is a life. We live by the Spirit. And because it is a life, it is unique to each and every one of us. We are all traveling in the same direction. We all have the same intent and purpose as we are moving forward. But it looks differently in your life than it does in mine. And that's why we are not to compare ourselves with one another and look at somebody else and say, wow, they're doing so much. They're so much better Christian than I am. They're doing so much better than I am. Or look at those worse and say, I am so much better than they are. Because it's individual. We share it in common, but it comes down to the uniqueness of each and every one of us. Every one of us in this room is unique. We have different temperaments and personalities. We have different backgrounds and experiences. We have different passions and interests and and, and skills and abilities and gifts. We are unique. And our life in Christ will be unique. We will share commonalities. But it is a life. 
And so it is unique. So each of us then have to make our own decision. And that's what I mean by settled intent. I make a decision about the direction that I want my life to go. I read, I read these things like the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentle self-control. And I say, I want that life. (laughs) That is life in the Spirit. That is what grows out of the planting the right kind of seed. And I want that life. And so I want to sow that kind of seed and build that kind of thing into my life. So I make a decision. I realize that I cannot have that life in my own strength. My own willpower will not get me there. In fact, my track record has already proven that. So what I do is I come to Christ and I say, Lord, I cannot do this on my own. I cannot produce that kind of fruit by my own well-being, by my own doing well, my own willpower. I can't do this. I have proven that already. So what I need is your forgiveness and I need your spirit within me transforming me from the inside out and I set an intent a direction for my life and I say Lord as as closely as I can follow you by the strength of your spirit working within me this is what I want my life to look like and I settle that I don't go back I don't the next day wake up and say well maybe I want a different kind of life or three weeks from now decide no you know I decided on another type of life it's a settled intent I set the direction We often talk about it as a first step of faith. It is that transfer of my trust off of my own intent and my own will and my own abilities and I put it on one who can do it in me and through me and for me. And that's what I do. And that intent changes everything. Harvard professor um, Ron Heivitz, he's he's actually um, written a number of books on leadership and leadership challenges. And he talks about different types of challenges. There there are two basic different, two, two different types of challenges. There are what are called technical challenges. And then there are adaptive challenges. There are technical changes and adaptive changes. And the difference is this. A technical challenge or a technical change is, is, is about um, implementation. It's about, I know how to do this. I just need to start doing it, okay? It's just about implementing. I have the know-how. I have the abilities. I, I have the strength. I know what needs to be done, so I just implement the changes. That make sense? Adaptive changes are completely different. They require transformation because they're a completely, they're a game changer, that everything is completely different and I've got I've to learn new skills. I've got I've to learn a new way of doing things. I have to experiment and I might even make mistakes along the way, but I am learning and adapting and making the changes that, that, will, that will bring about this kind of adaptive change. That making sense? So let me explain it this way. Okay, so technical changes are simply a matter of implementation. Adaptive changes require transformation. So a little quiz. So if, if for all of your life, you have been using a PC Windows-based computer and, and you get a Mac, that would be called a technical change. Well, it would be called coming into the light, but that's a technical change. You have the skills, you have the ability, you have to learn a little bit, of, a new platform of operation, but, but basically you have the know-how. It's just a technical change. Got it? 
you are a parent of a 12-year-old that all of a sudden goes through hormonal, hormonal changes, and now they are no longer a child. Now they are moving into adolescence and all that comes with that. Now, is that a technical change or an adaptive change? That is an adaptive change. Yeah, it's a whole new ballgame. You got to learn a whole new set of skills to do this one. Okay, and you're going to make mistakes. See, that intent to live by the Spirit is not a technical change. It is an adaptive change. It's a whole new ball game. It's a whole new way of living. And that's why Paul wrote this way. He says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. But Christ lives in me. Now I live in the body. I live by faith in the Son of God. That is an adaptive change. And, and that sounds really, really scary. I, have cru- I am crucified with Christ. That just sounds all oh, miserable. But what he's simply saying is you cannot live two separate lives at the same time. One of them has to die. And if the one does not die, if you do not make that settled intent that the old life is dying and I am moving into a new life and all the adaptive changes that that requires, that is the most miserable of all, trying to live two different lives. He says, this is, this is an adaptive change. I am putting aside that old life and moving into a new one. And that, by the way, is why, that's why baptism is so important because it is symbolic of that decision. Now, there are still a lot of changes that need to take place along the way, but it is that settled intent that is life by the Spirit. It's a settled intent. Secondly, that the life by the Spirit is also a life of deliberate action. The next verb he uses is, so I say, walk by the Spirit. We walk. Walk is an action. Walk is movement. Walk is feet on the ground, everyday living kind of stuff. Not head in the clouds, floating on wings. It's everyday life. He says, we walk by the Spirit. In fact, the word walk there, um, the Greek word is peripateo. Um, and the prefix there, peri, like perimeter to around. Okay. Peripateo, we walk around. We walk around this life. We move forward. We make progress. We are constantly moving. This is action-oriented. And life by the Spirit is not just sitting back and dreaming of heaven. It is feet on the ground, everyday living. We walk by the Spirit. Paul, caught it, Paul put it this way in, in the letter to the Romans, and the message paraphrase does a great job with it. He says it this way. He says, take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. See, walking in the Spirit is not just doing spiritual things. It is doing the things you do every day in partnership with the Spirit. It is living and walking by the Spirit. Everyday life. What would that look like? What would that look like? I mean, just, just kind of walk through your day for a moment, okay? Waking up, starting at the beginning of the day. Waking up. What would waking up by the Spirit look like for you? Think about that. It's a little, okay, but, just, but just think about how you wake up. If somebody watched you waking up, would they say that person is filled with the Spirit? You know? 
Uh, just a little quiz, a little quiz just to get us started thinking on this whole thing. So here it is. Uh, multiple choice. Quiz. Quiz. When does the day begin? A, when the alarm goes off. B, when the sun rises. C, when the alarm goes off the fifth time, because I know I can hit the snooze button four, t- four times and I'm still okay. <laughs> or D, when Starbucks opens. <laughs> okay, for you. A, when the alarm goes off. B, when the sun rises. C, when the fifth alar- the alarm sounds for the fifth time. D, when Starbucks opens. You don't even know. What would waking up in the spirit look like? Maybe it's just before my feet hit the floor, just a moment to say, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Or, or waking up with the thought, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, O Lord. Just a thought. Waking up in the Spirit. Here's here's a couple of other activities. What would this look like if you lived by the Spirit, if you walked in the Spirit? Everyday activities. Eating breakfast. What would you eat for breakfast in the Spirit? Would you eat breakfast? Would you eat maybe with a greater sense of gratitude for God's provision? Driving. If Jesus was riding in your passenger seat, would he be gripping the seatbelt? You know, would he have a look of nervousness on his face? What would that look like? At work, how would you work differently with an awareness of the Holy Spirit in your life? What time would you get to work? How would you perform your daily duties? How would you interact? Personal relationships. Here's another one. Personal relationships. Would you take back words that you had spoken that day? Would you think differently about how you interacted with someone? What would shopping by the Spirit look like? Would it change the things that you purchase? Would you maybe not buy as much? Watching TV. How would you watch TV by the Spirit. See, because that's what walk by the Spirit means. It's everything. What program? Would it change your choice of programs? Would it change the amount of TV you watched? See, this is everyday kind of stuff. Worry. Worry is a, psychologists tell worry is a huge part of every person's day. If you were living and walking in the Spirit, would you be able to let go of some of those worries? Yeah, yeah, I just mentioned a few. Ending of the day, as you go to bed, would it be any different if you went to sleep in the Spirit? Would you have a greater sense of rest to know that God's still in charge and you can actually sleep because you're not the one in control? (laughs) Just out of curiosity, just turn to the person next to you and just tell them, which of those that I mentioned this morning, which of those would be the hardest for you? Okay? Just take a few minutes. Just, which one of those would be the hardest for you? Driving? Working? Sleeping? See, that's the whole idea. It's the whole idea. We do life, we live in the Spirit. We walk 
by the Spirit. It's everyday life kind of stuff. And then life in the Spirit is also a willing response. Because it's not just my actions. I am being led. He says, you are led by the Spirit. We walk, but we don't walk aimlessly. We walk with purpose and with direction. And we are led by the Spirit. And mostly, mostly where the Spirit leads us is out of our selfishness and into community, into caring, into love. That's where the Spirit, spirit leads. See, if I am being led by the Spirit, then it's going to require some letting go of my own self-interest which is going to be painful. It's not going to be easy, but it will lead you into greater love, into deeper relationships. It's a willing response. Look at all the descriptions Paul gives. Galatians 5, 13. Serve one another humbly in love, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Galatians 6, 2, carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Galatians 6, 1, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit, live by the Spirit, should restore that person gently. See, the freedom that comes in life by the Spirit is the freedom to love. And I can do that because, see, I I can act in self-giving love and generosity, for instance, with the full faith and trust that God is going to take care of my needs. That I don't have to hold on to my own stuff so tightly because I really believe and trust that God is at work and God will provide for my needs so I don't have to hold on to it and keep it all to myself. Being led by the Spirit might be moving us to forgive and to be able to forgive believing believing that God can use my forgiveness to heal not just my heart, but the heart of the one who hurt me, and I don't have to get revenge. I can lead those results up to God. That's being led by the Spirit. Serve one another in love. That I can give up my rights and my status to care for somebody else. Believing that God will take care of me. Making sense? See, that's what it means. That's where the Spirit leads us. He, he, he leads us away from our selfishness and into love. We are to live an opportunity alert. Galatians 6.10. As we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. That's what it means to live by the Spirit. That's what it means to follow the leading of the Spirit, to be on opportunity alert. (laughs) And that the Spirit is constantly whispering and prompting us. And And those thoughts that you get in your head that you dismiss so lightly, if you learn to say yes, to reach out and care for somebody else, to offer a helping hand, to give, If you begin to say yes and learn to respond to the Spirit's leading, you will find you are much more aware of the opportunities and the Spirit is leading you far more than you thought. Be led by the Spirit. As you have opportunity, 
as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers, not because they deserve it more, but simply because they are here. (laughs) What he's saying is the opportunities are here and now. The people you live with, the people you do life with, the people you interact with, the people who are part of your church family, they are the here and now because it's, it's... It's a lot simpler to give my $30 to pay for a child in Uganda than it is to care for my next-door neighbor who calls me at all hours hours of the night. I can give my $30, and it does good, and it's wonderful, and I do it. But it's easy to think, okay, now I fulfilled the law. You've just begun. Because all it cost you was 30 bucks. When somebody calls you in the middle of the night with need, in desperation, and you have to get up out of your bed and get dressed and go and minister and help and intervene. That's love. See, that's what he's saying. As we have opportunity, let us do good to those here and now. Not waiting for the perfect conditions because the Spirit is leading every day. The Spirit is prompting you all the time. And the more that you learn to say yes to the Spirit of God, the more He is able to lead you. But why would He keep prompting you if you keep saying no? (laughs) Saying yes to the opportunities is to be led by the Spirit. There's one more thing. That life by the Spirit is one that involves continual interaction. It's interesting. He says, so let us keep in step with the Spirit. That's a moment by moment, day by day, part of my life. See, it's really, it's easy for me to start out the beginning of the day fully intending to live life in the Spirit. To begin my day saying, Lord, lead me and make me open to your promptings and help me to hear your voice. Give me the strength to respond. And I can begin my day with the fullest of intentions. And then the barista gets my order wrong. And I end up with a chai tea instead of the double mocha espresso that I ordered. And I get to work and then my coworker didn't do his part of the project and now we're behind and it all falls on me. And then I get on the way home, I get behind some jerk who didn't, doesn't have the fast track pass, but he's in the wrong lane and stops me. And then I get home and the cat has peed on the new furniture. Stupid cat. And it doesn't take long before I'm out of the step with the spirit. But... This is a lifetime, you see? And I'm learning. And at each moment, there's an opportunity and I get a choice. And it could be just once, instead of thinking all those evil thoughts about that guy in the wrong lane at the bridge, I pray, Lord, he must be having a bad day too. (laughs) Would you somehow bless him if you can bless such an idiot? No, I'm... It's a moment. It's a moment. And our life is filled with such moments. 
And the more that we learn to respond and to walk. Because see, the Holy Spirit doesn't lead from way out ahead. The Holy Spirit leads from side by side. In fact, that's, that's what Jesus called him. The, the comforter, the paraclete, the counselor. Literally, the word means the one who comes alongside. And that's how the Spirit leads. Talk to a lot of people who want to find God's will for their life. What job should I take? What house should I buy? Where college should I go to? And, and, and I really don't think God is all that concerned with where you end up 10 or 20 years from now as much as that you are walking with him this moment. This moment. Because this is the moment you have right now. And his spirit is prompting. He's whispering. And the more that I learn to say yes is the more that I begin to keep in step with the Spirit. A couple of years ago now, my son and I went back to um, Lackland Air Force Base, San Antonio, Texas, because a friend of him of his had gone off to, um, to boot camp, joined the Air Force. And so we went to his graduation. And it was really, really interesting. I'd never noticed this before. But we're walking around base and, and just... I just noticed everybody is walking in step. They're crossing the street. They're not on the parade grounds. They're just walking you know, to the PX or to wherever they're going, but they just kind of fall into step. And, and it, it was funny. And, and, and actually, Dave commented on it. He says, you know, he says, I don't, it's just force of habit. He says, it's been drilled into us on this parade ground to walk in step, that you're constantly aware of what the person next to you, what their cadence is and how they're taking it. It's right foot, left foot, right foot, left foot. And he says, I just fall into step. And I thought, whoa, that's what he's talking about. That it becomes such an ingrained part of my life that I am step by step falling into cadence with the movement of the Spirit. He says, since we're led by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And don't get discouraged. Don't get discouraged because this takes time. That's why Paul wrote. He says, let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Do not give up. Because the more that you do this, the more that you begin your your day with that prayer, the more that you catch yourself throughout the day out of step, just get back in step. And the moment that you find those promptings and you see, you realize you missed an opportunity to say, Lord, make me more aware next time, please. You gave me an opportunity and it just, I was so consumed with myself, I just missed it. But would you give me another chance? And just that sensitivity, that openness, that willingness will teach you how to keep in step with the Spirit. And when you get off track, and you will get off track, just get back on. A month ago, I did a, a wedding down in Lafayette, and it was at this place way, way, way back somewhere that I couldn't find. So I've got this GPS, GPS app for my iPhone now, turn-by-turn instructions. And so I typed in the address and had the turn And I'm driving along, and we're getting back in. It's getting back in kind of the back areas of, of uh, it's kind of in a woodsy area. And I'm driving, and I'm coming up a hill, and, and it says, take next left. Well, the thing was, there was a left-hand turn, and then the street actually, like right after that, veered to the left. 
And so I'm thinking, takes next left. So I turn next left, and I turn next left, and it's a cul-de-sac. <laughs> it's a dead end. <laughs> turn around, recalculating, you know, get back on, make it, get, get to the place. So that was the wedding rehearsal. The next day, we're going to the wedding, and Betty's in the car with me, and we're driving, and I got the GPS on, because still, I still can't find this place. So we're driving along, and it comes up, and we're coming up the hill, and it says, take next left. And I said, no, no, we don't take that left. And then I went past it, and I went, oh, wait, I think that was. So I backed up, I turned around, went back up the street. It was the same stupid street. <laughs> Did it again. <laughs> and I knew better. <laughs> and sometimes it's like that. Sometimes you make the wrong turn and you get off track and you come to that intersection the same, the next time and it's the same wrong turn and you do it again. And you think, oh, there's no hope for me. (laughs) Nah, because the Spirit's always leading and the Spirit's always prompting. And eventually you'll make the correct turn (laughs) because that's grace. That's how God operates. And that's why he says, don't get weary in this. Don't give up. Because you will see the results. You will reap a harvest. Just don't give up. Bow your heads with me. Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Venetia, California.